Hi, Erin. Can you hear me? Hi. Okay, so I'm just going to start out with um, the introductions that we have to record, and then we'll just jump right in. Do you have any questions? No, can you hear me okay? I'm driving home from work. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're... Okay, if you if I notice you're cutting out really bad, I'll just um, simply restate the question, and um, we can always edit out any um, like side noise or anything like that. Okay, sounds perfect. All right, thank you. All right, hello everyone. My name is Kaylee Long, and I am currently a senior at Wilmington College. Um, at Wilmington, I am majoring in agricultural education with a concentration in animal science and have plans of pursuing a career as an agricultural educator after graduation in December. In this episode, I'm talking with Miss um, Erin Wallet, who is currently the agricultural educator at Cardington Lincoln High School. And today we're going to be talking about making your program your own and understanding how to adapt a program to your specific, um, not needs, but kind of influence. So, um, yeah, we're going to go ahead and get started. So, um, first I want to thank you, Miss Wallet, for joining me today on the Teach Ag Ohio podcast and sharing your perspective with future agricultural educators. Um, I think that it would be great to get the conversation started by um, giving us a little bit of information about why you wanted to become an educator. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Kaylee, um, and Teach Ag, I guess. Uh, really excited to do this, and I loved hearing that you are a well science major, or animal science concentration, and ag ed major, because uh, that was the exact path that I took as well not too many years ago, so it's fun to hear. Um, I started, well, I guess pursued ag ed. I think I decided that that's what I wanted to do when I was like a sophomore or junior in high school, um, which now that I work with high schoolers, I realize is like actually kind of early. Um, <laughs> but I had just a great relationship with my agriculture educator and uh, really enjoyed that high school experience. I grew up from an agricultural background. So um, that alone, my dad was the president of his FFA chapter. And so it just was kind of something that I was always interested in. And when I had a really great experience, I said, you know what, I want to emulate this experience and, and make sure that, you know, if you can have great experiences and great traditions, but there has to be somebody who's willing to keep those things going for the next generation. Um, and some things you can't really re just assume that other people are going to do. So um, I felt that kind of responsibility to make sure that some of those experiences and opportunities uh, were available for future students uh, by providing those through being an ag educator and FFA advisor. That's awesome to hear, Erin. I would love to hear a little bit more about your specific experience at Cardington. So what type of classes have you taught in the past or what are you currently teaching at Cardington? Yeah, so our pathway has stayed pretty consistent. Um, I teach four courses uh, and it does kind of follow a little bit of a traditional, um, like fresh, they're aligned with a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. It's just a, set up through prerequisites that way. Um, so really, I mean, it could be adapted, but um, I teach agriculture, food and natural resources, which is the AFNR curriculum, uh, plant and animal science, livestock selection, nutrition and management, and business for, ag or for agriculture. All right, that sounds pretty awesome. Now, what pathway do you teach out of? 
the AO pathway, just a simple ag business. Ag All right. I feel like that's pretty common in Ohio, so I'm not surprised to hear that. Um, so I know things have probably been a little tricky with um, COVID and kind of getting over that hump. Um, can you share a time recently what, when you were reminded of why you like being an educator? Yeah, this year has been absolutely wild. Um, and I just, I always use the word blessed um, when I talk about my kids, but uh, we met, we were able to have a, a version of an officer retreat last year. Um, it was of course COVID friendly and followed all that, but we did as much as we could. And they spent a whole day sitting down and saying, okay, this is an event that we have. And, um, you know, what is our, what's our plan A? What do we normally do? Okay, what's our plan? How are we going to adapt that to COVID? What's our plan B? And then if that can't happen, is there a plan C? Is plan C that we just cancel it? Um, is there another way that we can further adapt it? And the 11 officers that I have spent literally a whole day going through that with all of our program of activities events. So um, I was just super impressed by that. And their resiliency uh, this year has been awesome. And honestly, just attitude. This is my personal experience. I know not everybody has had this experience with COVID, but uh, I've just noticed a whole lot more empathy um, and a whole lot more excitement about events because it's not necessarily oversaturated. So, uh, you know, the events that we are able to have, the kids are stoked that we're able to do them. Um, and so they've just been super engaged and, and I don't want to say thankful, like, oh, they're thankful for me, but um, they've just been thankful thankful for the things that we have been able to do. Um, and with that, I think uh, I've been able to make a lot more down to earth connections with some of the, the kids this year and just relate to them on a more genuine level. Um, and I think through all this, we've just learned to appreciate the things that we are able to do and the things that we have. Um, so stepping back and just kind of reconnecting. I know sometimes it's easy to get swept away with some other aspects of the job, but just reconnecting with those students and you know they graduate after four years and, and then they go on their own path so um spending that time and making those those genuine connections and creating those really it, it's funny that the memories that they remember a lot of the times are not the big fancy things but the little moments that happen in between them so um just kind of regrounding myself to that has been a big takeaway for me Erin, thank you so much for sharing. It sounds like um, you have been a really good resource for your students to not only come to, but to be able to just kind of relax during these stressful times. Um, so because it sounds like you've been such a great resource for your students, um, you obviously have to have someone to go to um, to be a resource for you. So who or what do you think has been like the greatest resource that you've found in your career that you kind of just keep going back to for um, advice or maybe mentorship or anything like that? Yeah, uh, so Benny, um, I think you wanted to limit the time of this podcast, so I will wish you would but um, just so many. And I think the biggest thing, and this might sound cliche, but like the teach ag community in general is fantastic. So just being able to lean on one another and like you're friends with your neighboring teachers and you're friends with other teachers across the state. So, hey, how are we, how are you guys doing this? What are, what are your thoughts on this? And um, that's one great one. I've got a great teaching community within Hardington High School. Um, so just being able to lean on some of those fellow teachers um, and then a couple other just personal mentors in my life who have kind of been there even when I wasn't teaching um, that just kind of understand and, and can listen when you need to vent or saying, I, my creative juices are emptied. Like I need to refill this tank um, and just helping give some of that inspiration. Um, and honestly inspired, again, this is going to sound super cheesy, but uh, 
not mentorship, but inspiration wise, like I said, the students have just been so resilient this year that I was energized off of them a lot of the times too. That's great to hear. It sounds like you have a really strong community, both in um, Cardington and around the state of Ohio. So um, how have you kind of used your community, both within Cardington and around the state to help you adapt your program to kind of help make it your own? I know you haven't been at Cardington for too long, long enough to make it your own by now, but how did you kind of use those resources to kind of shift that program? Yeah, uh, the Cardington community in general is fantastic. Um, I was beyond blessed going into that uh, opportunity and they open, they, they welcome me with open arms. Um, and I had a really great experience transi- transitioning, um, which I know maybe is different from, from place to place, but uh, I took over for my predecessor, Neil Swanger, um, six years ago. So I've been there for just finishing my sixth year now. Um, and he had taught there for 29 years. So it's one of those uh, legend kind of takeovers that you hear about when you're coming out as an ag ed student. Um, and I remember my cooperating educator when I was student teaching saying, hey, do you wanna walk into a program that is already pretty well maintained, like they're established, they have their traditions, they go pretty strong. And then you have the pressure of a first year teacher of maintaining that program. Um, or do you wanna to go to a program that uh, maybe is struggling a little bit or hasn't had any consistency for a few years and get there, you know, it's gonna look kind of impressive or, or it's gonna be well received um, because you're doing something, but at the same time, you have that struggle then and the challenge of saying, of getting that chapter up and going and that motivation and those traditions. And I kind of just took it with whatever kind of came my way, whichever opportunity presented itself. But I definitely ended up in the first of those where it was something that was established and something um, that had a pretty good uh, rhythm to it. So to jump in and not miss a beat, not say that's what I did, but uh, to, you know, that was the challenge that was kind of presented. Um, but again, I took over for Neil Swanger, um, who was fantastic uh, and, and even fantastic in the transition. Um, he knew he was retiring, so it was a smooth transition in that. Uh, and he introduced me to the students super early. Um, I think I met my first students in like February of my senior year. So um, just getting to know them and he was super great at saying, you know, she's going to be in charge and these are some things that might change. And um, I trust her with the program, so you guys should trust her as well. Um, and was just great about sharing that with the community and the students. So when I got there, I kind of got there with like a group hug almost is kind of the feeling that it had because um, the community was, was all there to support. Um, and, you know, what do you need? How can we support you? This is what we do. Um, and so just being open to that and saying like, yes, I would love you to help me with that. I would love you to tell me how this happens. Um, I think they've, they've just, they really support the Ag Ed program there. Um, and so there was really no hesitation in leaning on them and, and allowing them to show me how the program ran. That's awesome to hear. I know that Mr. Swanger is a great guy. And so I'm so happy that you've had such a great transition um, with him. Um, but I know that you said that he mentioned to his students when you were first getting introduced to them that there could be a couple things that could change or maybe they would have to adapt. So um, what piece of advice would you give to a teacher if they are considered considering making changes to a program that they have been recently hired at? 
Yeah, I think, well, so I've been really fortunate. Um, I've had a really good experience with this, a few early new experience students from Ohio State in my first two years. Um, and so this has been something that uh, I've talked about. And he said this is the topic of the podcast. That got really exciting. So I thought hey, that kind of ties back to that piece of advice. Um, but I think the number one thing that is probably pretty hard for some people, I'm, um, I don't want to admit that I'm type A, but in certain aspects, you know, uh, I'm organized and I, and I like things a certain way, but so this is probably a hard pill for some people to swallow, but um, I think the biggest piece of advice to somebody coming into a program is to just kind of play their game for a year. Um, and so if I would have walked into Cardington and flipped all of the tables upside, upside down and said, this is what we're doing, this is the program of activities that I um, this is the idea that I have. This is the way that we're going to do the fruit sale. Uh, this is how we're going to transform this. I would have gotten some major like, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> um, so I think sometimes just being receptive and, and for at least the first year saying, you know what, especially if it's a program that was well. I asked the kids so many times that first year, hey, how do we do this? How do, how do we do this event? How do we do the fruit sale? What forms do we use? Uh, what, t- what company do we rent things from? You know, what, how do we usually set up the banquet? What's, what's the stage set up for that, you know? Things uh, like that. And obviously, Mr. Swaller did things a certain reason for 29 years, or a certain way for 29 years. Um, so it's, it's kind of that mantra that goes back, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, and I think one even if you do think it's maybe a little bit broken, uh, is, is try it that way. Um, and I think what that does is it, it shows the community that she's here or he, whoever you are, to work with this program um, and they're receptive to this. Uh, and then with after that, why do you have decisions of okay, what we should, a, a way that we could propose making this small change or, or hey, do you want to introduce a new activity? Um, and I think that just helps ease the transition and also gain respect from the community and the students that you're not going in there and, and trying to just totally flip the hourglass over, you know. Um, so that would be my advice is, is play their game for a year and then start to make some really gradual trade. That's really great advice. Um, I picked up while you were talking that you said that um, during your first few years, you really had to ask students like how to do something or where you found the resources or where to go about um, doing stuff at. How do you allow your officer team or even your students um, to take ownership of the chapter while still maintaining the boundaries of you being the um, teacher and advisor? Yeah, um, and I think that's a super hard thing to put into words, honestly. Um, but. I always lean back on the fact, and my students, if they listen to this, will 100% roll their eyes because I say it so often, but um, the FFA truly to its core is a student-led organization. So if you can set some standards pretty early on of this, these are your expectations. Um, contract, uh, we sit down and officer retreat and they set their own expectations. So we make a giant poster board um, that says your chapter, your leadership, your expectations. And they say, you know, as an officer team, we should have this standard set on us. We should try to do two CDs instead of just one, or we should try to make committee meetings here um, and kind of allow them to take ownership of that. And then they, their, their own rules that they have to follow, um, not ones, not unrealistic ones that you set upon them. Um, and so I think it's one of those things that, like, you hear the opening ceremonies and um, give my wisdom as 
that was really bad quotes too. Don't get me on that when they listen. But uh, it's, I'm, I'm here more so to guide. So ship is, is kind of touching the wheel every now and then, making sure we, we stay going the right way. So when you let them have that, uh, that set their own expectations and you say these are the standards, um, but then what do you guys want to do? You know, and they present a couple of ideas and, um, okay, well, what if we tweak it this way just a little bit, or even kind of psych, every ag ed teacher should take a psychology class. You know, what, what do you think about doing it this way? Or, or what do you think about posing it more as a question to them? And so that way they're kind of coming to their own conclusions um, and allowing it to be their decisions and, and their chapter. Um, and that helps a lot too with motivation and people wanting to come to things when it's, when it's stuff that they planned and, and they have that pride of ownership for um that they want to make it happen that's really excellent advice um i think that all new and current teachers or even um, students pursuing a career in the education world whether it's ag or not ag can really take that to heart um i do have one specific question that i think everybody in the audience will probably be wanting to hear from you um what is one piece of advice that you could give to someone applying and interviewing for teaching positions yeah wow that was a minute ago um it wasn't (laughs) but it kind of was the same time when you think about it um honestly i guess my piece of advice would be um i applied to a few different places i think i actually i'll say a few i applied to two um applied to two different places and i went and interviewed at cardington um and had so i turned in the app applied to both places was asked to come for an interview at both places um and then interviewed at cardington first and while i was there they were great it was during ffa week so they were doing some ag olympics when i was there i interviewed uh, the principal and superintendent brought me down to the ag room and um, I got to witness some of that, which was really cool. Um, and so I was pretty confident when I left that that's kind of where I wanted to be and where I was being led to. Um, it was really close to home. It was just a great situation all around. Um, but I had arranged this other interview for this other job. Um, and although I was pretty certain that's where I wanted to be, I said, I, I need to go to this interview um, because otherwise, you know, I, I'll, I'll never know if maybe I was supposed to be in that other place. So um, went and did the interview. Um, and basically right after that interview, I was just kind of affirmed that, that Cardington was where I was being led to and being kind of called to. So um, I called and accepted the job there. But I think just being super open-minded about where you're applying and where you're interviewing at um, and not making too quick of a situation or of a decision um, because even though you might get that first job offer you've got to really make sure that especially being an ag ed you become such kind of an integral part of the community as well as being active in the classroom um, and so making sure that you're in a school that aligns with your values that you're in a community that you mesh with and that you're um, the program is something that aligns that you're not going to have to go in and flip the table um, that is pretty close. And then maybe, like I said, you make some tweaks and, and adjust it to your own style. But um, just making sure that it's kind of like choosing a college. Almost you go and you do those college tours, those campus tours, and make sure you're at someplace that feels like home. And so I think that uh, with finding a job and finding a school to interview at um, and to go and teach at is a lot similar, it's very similar to that in that stance that you want to find somewhere that fits um, 
because in my mind, this might be a little off topic to that question. Um, I think one thing that I've kind of noticed can really affect a chapter is a lot of turnover in advisors. Um, so when you don't get somebody who's in there for a few years, um, just the consistency for the students and the community and the program in general. So you want to find some place that you can at least be there for a few years uh, just for the program's benefit of not saying, oh, I'll just be there for a year and then I'm going to leave it where I want to be. Um, although that might work out for you, that might not be what's best for the program. So um, just keeping that in mind, too, uh, and finding some place that, that really just feels like it fits would be my advice. Thank you for sharing that viewpoint. I think that um, that's really great advice for um, our teachers that or our students that are looking to be entering the classroom, whether it's this coming summer or fall or even next year or the year after. Really anyone who um, is looking to interview um, for any kind of teaching position. So I have one last question for you, Miss Walla, before um, we wrap things up. And that is, you always hear as like a student or going to be educator that there's um, you shouldn't smile until at least Christmas break. So I would like to hear um, your advice as to what is one thing that a teacher should do or should not do during their first year in the classroom. <laughs> um, I will say this. I got told that mantra a lot as well. Um, and if anybody knows me, I'm quite a bubbly personality. Um, Absolutely. I'm a <laughs> I'm a type seven on the Enneagram, if that tells you anything for those of you who are yep. um, but, um So I threw that rule out the window. Um, I smiled a lot. Uh, I loved on those kids a lot. And I think that's just something that, again, worked really well for me um, and my personality. Like, I'm not a stone cold person. So to try and be stone cold for the first, I would have just felt really fake. Um, I would have felt like I wasn't being genuine. And that's not a great place to build a connection off of. Um, so I think it's just one of those things that uh, I smiled a lot and I laughed a lot that first year. And I tried to be super transparent with the kids too. And you know what, I am I let you eat in my classroom because I'm gonna get hangry after teaching six periods and I'm gonna need a snack too, right? Um, you know, I understand why you do that. And so I'm gonna do the same thing and we're just gonna give each other grace. Um, and that's a great philosophy, but you have to have that backed also with um, again, that, just that set of standards and expectations. And if you're real with the kids and teach and, and treat them like adults, um, they're going to respect that in, in my experience. And um, a lot of the times when I set that standard, they're like, you know what, we don't, a lot of the times, honestly, that first year, um, if there was somebody who spoke up that needed discipline, uh, the kids kind of jumped on them or on them before I could. It was, hey, don't talk to, don't talk to her like that, or don't say that, or, you know, why are, you, why are you doing that in Miss Wallet's room? Um, so I think when you can just be transparent and real with the kids, but also have those boundaries and have that expectations. Um, and I know that's not a clear way to tell first year teachers because they're like, okay, that's great. How do we do that? Um, but I, I, the whole smile, not smiling until Christmas, I didn't really buy, but that might work for somebody else. Um, so that's, that's my advice, I guess, is um, maybe have, spend some time reflecting before you go into the classroom on day one um, and just connecting with yourself and figure that out before you go into the classroom um, because they're kind of like sharks when sharks smell blood they attack and when students smell a little bit of weakness uh, they they know it so um, I think I think once you know that for yourself your students will pick it up too thank you so much for that advice um, 
Miss Walla, I just wanted to say thank you again for joining me on the Teach Ag Ohio podcast. And thank you for sharing your experience and knowledge with our listeners and all future ag teachers out there. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. So um, we'll cut the recording there. Is there anything, like any questions or anything that you have? I don't think so. Thank you so much for including Those were great questions. Yeah, thank you so much. (laughs) Sorry it took a minute for me to uh, get ours to get nailed down on this, but. (laughs) Oh, you're totally fine. It's been a crazy end of the semester, and I just started my new internship with the Ohio Port Council, and so it has not been a fun semester ending. (laughs) So you're totally (laughs) fine. And this is a super busy year, time of year for ag teachers, so it's definitely okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks again for including me. Um, you have my number now, too. So, uh, I mean, fellow Quaker and future ag teacher, hopefully, um, keep my number. And if you need anything, let me know. All right. Thank you so much, Erin. Yeah, absolutely. Have a good night. You too.